You're listening to Your Rivers Are Wrong, the podcast. Good morning, everyone, or afternoon, or whatever time zone you're in. Welcome to the Your Rivers Are Wrong podcast. We're still doing it. It's great. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts. My name is Merle. And I'm the other host, and my name is Dante. Yeah. And in this podcast, we talk about a bunch of stuff. For example, the wonderful whimsies of world building and the arts and aesthetics of setting up a setting and telling stories related to all those topics. Related to all the things. We're talking about all the things. <laughs> Love it. Here. We're talking about all the things. If you here. want to know about all the things, come here because we got you covered. <laughs> You've come to the right place. Exactly. Exactly. And in fact, we're already on episode 44. We have already oh discussed gosh. over 44 of all the things. We've talked about more than 44 It's of a all double things. thing, actually. Yeah. The first 40 episodes cover two topics each. So yeah. it's somewhere in the ballpark of 80 something. We're getting close to like the three digits here. Yeah. <laughs> Sure are. We're like upping our game. <laughs> How do we keep having things to talk about here? I don't know. Clearly we're going to run out. Perhaps like world Sometime. building is an endless source of creativity and fun. <laughs> Who knew? What? That's what? crazy. What do you mean? <laughs> That's crazy. It's true. How have you been, Dante? It's been a hectic week. Yeah. Been <laughs> a hectic week. <laughs> Please elaborate. Uh, to put it briefly, uh, succinctly, hopefully, the D&D community has been upheaved and rolled over and On um, fire. pushed down a hill. And all of us are just trying to grab our bearings. <laughs> and I've very casually, very smoothly announced a full pivot away from D&D for a good long while. Mm -hmm. And golly, there's a lot of work that comes with that. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. But you already punched out a whole video about it and it was great. Yes, I did. And so you're doing the work is what I'm saying. And people were super supportive. I had viewers from who knows where. That's so lovely. Showing up and being like, hey, this is the first video I'm seeing of you. And in my head, I'm like, well, that's perfect. You've come to the... Please do. Yeah. You're right, you're right on time. So. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's been great. Can you do like a one sentence summary of why everything's on fire? One sentence summary of why For everything's on fire. Sure. Let me, just, let me just put the company on blast on record on our podcast. Basically, <laughs> thanks to a couple of leaks of documents and such, creators kind of got the hint that the D&D &D sphere is going to be more heavily monetized at the expense of the third party publishers and creators. And uh, it was mm. not very nice. And when they, even when they released their official statement, it wasn't very reassuring that they would reverse any of these things that were leaked. So right. a lot of us feel like we're kind of sort of being used mm. as just like advertisement for the game without much payoff. So yeah, it's awkward and weird. And we're, a lot of us are just taking the opportunity to learn about different games and different yeah. systems. And I'm on a, a put set myself set myself up to be on a, a tremendous quest of playing 99 other games. Yeah. And it only sink, it. sunk in recently how many games that is. It's a lot. That's a big number. <laughs> but it sounds so cool. I couldn't I can't pick a smaller number. Because anything less than 99 sounds less cool. Like, well, can't, I can't you do, do like, like the 49 well, okay. or yeah. 76? Like, but there's if so you many. Do, yeah, okay. Hmm. It has to be a cool mm. number, like 99. Yeah. Right. But you could have done like 33. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I could. <laughs> I mean, you could have. That's, well. not, that's not nearly as exciting. That's true. Anyway, that, that's not <laughs> what this podcast is about. But, you know, leaning into this podcast, learning about the lore of different 
games is so fun. Uh, last night I went over the I went over the game Ryutama with, uh, oh. with on a live stream. Wait, I think I've heard of that. That's the chill one, right? The sort of Ghibli one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, exactly. It's self-described as Hayao Miyazaki's Oregon Trail. Oh, which are two very different aesthetics. That's a great premise, though. I love it so much. Oh my gosh, the the, the mythos of the world, just a, just a premise of the foundation of the world, is so 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 mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Like the the fact that like going on an adventure. Sorry, I'm I'm. And we're not even at a topic yet. We got time. You just talk. You're good. To sum it up in two sentences, if this will be two sentences, I don't know. I'll put a lot of commas. The (laughs) game master plays as someone called the Ryujin, which is like a dragon E sort of character. And their job is to feed the four seasonal dragons that created the world. Oh, that's up your alley. Holy shit. Okay. Even though they created the world, technically these dragons that created the world are still very young and they feed on things called travelogues which are records of journeys. Ah. So to feed the four seasonal dragons, the Ryujin send people on journeys that are fulfilling and meaningful and dynamic. And the better these stories are, the more they feed these seasonal dragons. (laughs) Wow. So there's incentive for the GM to toss an adventure, drama, combat, intrigue, like strife and all that to make a story more dynamic. And there's a built-in global culture that everybody has to go on a journey once in their life. So everybody's in on this memo that they have to go on this journey to feed <laughs> these dragons adventure. <laughs> that power the world. And depending on what story you make, the dragons are fed in different ways and the world changes because of it. Oh. And like such a direct That's connection meta. of Whoa. person to God, person to demigod to God, that direct connection is just so, so interesting. That sounds really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Are you planning on playing it soon or just like checking it out? I don't know if I can get a party fast enough. There's Me, a lot of games I'm to cover. I'm the party. Can I join? Because <laughs> this sounds great. Any game I cover, I'm down to run at least once. It's it's <laughs> just a matter game. of assembling people. Yeah, but fair. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. What, wait, that what sounds great, though. <laughs> I love it. Anyway, how was your weekend? Anything exciting? Anything interesting? Ooh. And if not, that's okay. I'm not sure. What did I do this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was pretty chill, because otherwise I would probably have remembered it. I kind of got back into the critical role obsession a little bit because it's sure it was a little bit like out of my brain for i think maybe half a year or something and then mm. recently i re <laughs> the day before yesterday <laughs> i watched all of the exu again <laughs> all of it well not all of it but like i started the good first chunk of it <laughs> and i was like damn this is so good wait 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 the first season or calamity no the calamity one sorry oh my gosh you watched calamity again yeah this has been Crazy. like the third time <laughs> and i was like oh fuck this is really great i love this hobby but how did i forget <laughs> So now I'm back into it and I'm thinking thinking of all the characters. I'm doing all the things again. It's like I'm back at at level one and it's pretty good. Amazing. So that's been a big part of time spending. Yeah, that's so fun. But aside from that, not too much. Yeah, slowly easing into work again, doing some freelance, but pretty, pretty chill. So that's that's very nice. Awesome, awesome. And as we've wrapped up our nice little introduction there. (laughs) Perfect transition. (laughs) Yeah, it's good, right? Perfect bridge. Let's dive into the topic that we're going to discuss today. In fact, because I'm your... Humble host for this episode. So humble. (laughs) So humble. So hostly. It's my turn to introduce a topic to you. And today I want to have a nice little discussion about something quite specific. And it is the following. I want to talk about the chase. The chase. I want to talk about chase scenes. I want to talk about their goals. I want to talk why they happen, how to make them dynamic and interesting. All of it. I really dig that. Chases are a very, I don't want to say niche, but it's a specific tool you can use, right? It's only useful in some situations. It can happen accidentally, but usually it's not your sort of go-to thing. And there's been some really good, interesting 
chases out there in the world building storytelling sphere. <laughs> and I think it's nice to dissect them a little bit and see see what they're about and how we should run them or write them. Yeah, that's interesting. Chase scenes. We've definitely done more than more than one chase scene in our prompts before, right? We've done a yeah. couple of them, I think. I remember the one with the airship where somebody almost had to run to get the last airship or something. I right. forgot the rest of the context, but <laughs> I was like, okay, that's a chase. And I forgot about the other ones, but I feel like there were more. We did a police chase scene where a brother was chasing a oh, brother. Yeah, shapeshifter like or something. Something yeah, shapeshifter. Yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. Also, I got reminded on this topic by the chase scene in Avatar that I think is important to mention here. There is one episode that's literally called The Chase. <laughs> and it's basically the antagonist gang like Azula and May and Ty Lee chasing right. the Avatar friends. And the whole thing about this entire episode is basically seeing what the chase does to the characters and how they can finally end it because it's taking a long time. So it's also about endurance. It's about when do you decide to start running or stop running? When does the fact that you get tired or the fact that you get unmotivated or the fact that your environment runs out or your tool or vehicle or whatever you use to, you know, <laughs> get out of there? What if that runs out or breaks or all those things? There are so many variables to a chase. And I think it's also, I guess, movement-oriented storytelling. Sure, yeah. I feel like that's not always the case, or that's a very specific trait that a chase scene has that is so lovely, because not every world-building or storytelling scene has this trait. I think most of them are actually static, so they exist in a static landscape, or they have all the time in the world to get completed. You know, a dialogue <laughs> can take a minute, or it can take two hours, and both are valid. Yes, and with the chase, that's not really the case because there's a bunch of movement and time you got to go through before yeah. you finish or finally get out of that chase. Maybe to just kick it off a little bit, I was wondering how important movement or chases are or have been to your storytelling. Well, there's a lot of things that factor into chase scenes. And I will say that D&D probably has a not so great chase rules because it's like I've moved 30 feet then I move 30 feet, then I move 30 feet. So it's, yeah. it's not the, it's it's not the yeah. best medium for that sort of thing. But like just running, like there, there's a time and a place for combat oriented tabletop RPGs where you're doing that split second turn by turn style game. Mm. And chase scenes, personally, I believe is not one of them. I think chase scenes are faster than that, are faster than these six second turns. Oh, they're, okay. they're like... It's to the it's to the moment, to the minute. It needs to be snappier. Yeah, it's so dynamic. As you said, things change, the landscape change, what you're running through changes. Yeah. Giving yourself a gridded battle map for a chasing is limiting yourself to how interesting it can be. Mm. I think you touched on two things that are really, um, really, really important in chase scenes that kind of help you frame it better. And one first one is tension. The chase scenes yeah. don't exist without tension. There's no <laughs> such thing as a relaxing chase scene, right? No, that would be super unuseful. <laughs> Could you imagine? Just be walking. Actually, actually, be travel, actually, maybe. <laughs> there is one. I think there's one exception to this. Oh, okay. There is a scene. Oh my gosh, I remember it from my my childhood. There's a scene with Bugs Bunny and some dude who's chasing <laughs> him through like a castle, right? And somehow they both end up going through a room full of like ether or like sure. this, <laughs> like high helium gas, essentially. <laughs> And they're just kind of bouncing through rooms like entirely. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> like, Is it still a chase or are they just completely distracted as well? They're technically chasing each other. They're, they're just, just very relaxed. as they're Yeah, very like slow-mo moon jumping. Yeah, <laughs> wow. that's the only exception. Lovely. Any other chase scene <laughs> is full of I mean, tension. I'll take it. You know, the Bugs Bunny universe is very action-oriented. So I feel like this, is, this might have been a good... <laughs> 
Good choice. <laughs> and he's always being chased. They know about movement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but basically, chase scenes rely on tension, right? Yeah, the second the sure. tension is over, the chase is over. Uh, and a lot of chases don't last too long, right? It's not conducive to storytelling to keep your tension high the entire way through. At a certain point, it becomes exhausting and you need those yeah. breaks. And, and chase scenes are kind of like, here is a high action, high intensity scene for you to Pursuit. enjoy. And it, yeah appreciate the tension and then when it resolves we can all relax mm -hmm. so i think that's one of the big things and the second thing is yeah. what you said variables right a chase scene has to be dynamic things have to change the environment has to shift a chase through like an empty parking lot is not that exciting it's actually just kind of funny looking um, <laughs> people are just chasing Fair each enough, other with yep. no with no surroundings Go nothing and no, yeah. no <laughs> obstacles yeah <laughs> <laughs> it taps into the ability for these characters to adapt to their surroundings, how well they utilize the walls and the objects nearby, how well they overcome obstacles. Do people do it better than each other and like catch up to each other or make that distance bigger? Instead of like um, normal dramatic tense scenes where people are like in a room or saying really important things, like you said, like chases are very physical. It's a very mm. physical aspect to them. So. Chases are hard to, <laughs> maybe I'm just saying, I don't know if you said it, but they, chases are hard to write. Yeah. I think chases are hard to write because you can't just be like, ah, I'm scared. And that's like something you would normally say during a chase. <laughs> no, people don't talk when they're chasing, right? Mm -hmm. Verbal communication is not really a big thing when it comes to chasing, unless it's like, I'm going to get you or something like that. No, that's true. Also, there's just so much in the way. If you're running real fast, it's hard to talk. You have your hands full <laughs> sure with <it> moving, <laughs> moving at shit because you're like, Getting the heck out of there. That's the that's the primary goal. And talking yeah. is a good good portion lower on that list. <laughs> Could you imagine a full like Aaron Sorkin dialogue between two people <laughs> as they're running? <laughs> Would be very funny, but not very efficient. Exactly. <laughs> no exactly. tension. No tension left. And about the tension, actually, I think it's really great that you call it the high stakes tension because I feel like very often the chase scene can also be the sort of explosive moment in your buildup of tension based storytelling. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just thinking of like the sort of classic spy movie, something gets stolen from a museum and you how you have the whole sort of, you know, ominous music in the background and hoping mm. to have no guards around and very sneakily, stealthily, you know, creeping into this museum, dropping from the ceiling, catching the diamond, <laughs> I see it. almost being happy that the alarm didn't go off. Then hell breaks loose, our alarm, all the guards. And then you're like, okay, fuck, gotta you get gotta out of there. Go. Lose yeah. everything that I don't need. Run for my life, right? Of course, the tension to build up to that moment needs to be good. <laughs> because otherwise, uh -huh. you know, if we don't care about it, then it's like, okay, I guess he runs now. We. Mm -hmm. And secondly, the chase very much uses that tension, explodes it into super high stakes action oriented thing. And I think that also links a little bit to the fact that I think in chases, because it's just so hectic and intense, there's not much else to think about except for how to, you know, create distance. There's different kinds of ways you can sort of approach a chase scene, I guess. Sometimes the goal is to just get out of there. Sometimes mm -hmm. the goal is there's an object that needs to be safe. You know, there's one thing that I can't <laughs> lose and that's this diamond right. that I just stole or something. Sometimes it's just sort of hiding from someone and it's not necessarily, it doesn't have to be a chase, but it just has to be, I have to be invisible as soon as possible away from this situation and unrecognized as soon as possible. Right, right. Yeah, there, there's kind of different versions of this. And I think it's pretty valid to also really consider the pursuer and the pursued in the situation. Like there's two different goals going on. Either the pursuer wants to catch the object or catch the person, right, right. get something back or get revenge, you know, all those options. And the pursued <laughs> has perhaps similar goals or super different goals, which is just get the heck out of there. In some instances, 
if you add another goal to that or another stake into the mix, mm-hmm. it can very well increase the tension that you have built. Like you want the explosion to be so out there. You want it to be as literally as explosive as possible because this is your release from all the storytelling and all the effort that you've put into the arc leading up to this. Right. And this is where the environment comes in. It made me think of the scene in the Hunger Games, the, what is it, like third film, fourth film, I'm not sure, where they're in an underground hideout and the sort of air alarm goes off and they have to get to the lowest level so that the doors are sealed so that all the right, right. bombs that were coming in are not, you know, they won't be shattered under the rocks or something because the bottom level is the safest, something like that. So there's like this alarm blaring, everyone's running down all these mine kind of stairs and then Katniss, the main character, finds that her sister's not around. Her sister's not in the lower level. Right. So yes. you feel the alarm, you hear like, doors will close in 10 minutes, doors will close in 4 minutes, doors mm-hmm. will close in 1 minute. And Candace <laughs> is running up the stairs to get the stupid sister to come down here. <laughs> and you feel both the chase of like, where's the sister because I need her to be with me. Yes. It's a sort of chase scene. It's a race in a against different time. Way. Yeah. yeah. But in this case, there's also indeed a race against time and also a physical barrier that will literally lock them out if they're not on time. And all those elements are very chaotic and very exciting if mm-hmm. they're all in basically half a minute of storytelling, right? So I think that's very nice to think about as well. This is maybe a quite an obvious example of the doors closing, right? That's very obvious. Like, okay, if you're not in time, you're going to be locked out and you lost. <laughs> you didn't win this level. right? But there's also different kind of environmental elements that you can add to this, like either the vehicle you're using perhaps for the chase or the fact mm-hmm. that suddenly there's, I don't know, thugs or people helping out the pursuer, you know, the classic throwing nails on the battlefield and you running through them and losing <laughs> your tires, you know, that kind of stuff. Of course. Yeah, there's also just in general, like environmental hazard, things can either both hurt the pursuer and the pursuit. If there's a sudden storm blown in, yeah, you're both going to be fucked because you're still having <laughs> this goal of chasing each other. But then if a storm just completely wipes you off your feet, then <laughs> then no one no one gets what they want. So there's an interesting dynamic that you can play with. Yeah, I think you, you hit a lot of really important things. Mostly that what makes chases so exciting is that it's full of the unexpected, right? Mm. Second to second, you have no idea what's going to happen. In a static room with people talking, you can kind of gauge here are the two or three things that could happen, right? But during a chase scene, it's like as you're quickly changing setting over and over and over again to different rooms, different stairwells, different environments, there's always something to watch out for. And you get to watch the character adapt on the go, right? It's a true true character test as to like, what would this character do in these five situations? And you have 10 seconds to choose, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like (laughs) two seconds each room, (laughs) go, you know? Uh, And you get to see um, how adept the character is at avoiding things or finding things or chasing things. And then what I think makes this, what makes chases so exciting is that there are risks being taken at like every turn, Hmm. every situation you have to make a decision. Will it pay off? Kind of have to cross your fingers like, oh, am I going to turn left or right? Am I going to take the stairwell up or am I going to jump this chasm? Should I grab this? Do I have time to grab this? Is something bearing down on me? I need to get it. I don't (laughs) have time to think about it. I'm going, right? I'm going for it. And you have everybody in their chair just kind of gripping their seat being like, was that the right call? Should they have done (laughs) that? And then like in post, sometimes we're like, oh, you shouldn't have gone for the idol or something like that. (laughs) And like you you can can say all of that in post, but the the excitement comes from that split second decision that you truly have no time to think. And should you put yourself in the seat of the actual character, you would probably handle that situation much worse, mm-hmm. right? So, yep, so for sure. <laughs> um, a little bit of sympathy for these people in chases. <laughs> They're doing great, pals. <laughs> 
Yeah, but like any scene from like Law and Order, any the, a bunch of scenes from Indiana Jones, mm. every Marvel movie. Yeah, there's some sort of chase, some sort of scene where they're just running as fast as they can, mm-hmm. and there's something they gotta escape from or catch up to. And it's un, it's fun to see really athletic people in chase scenes <laughs> because they do the, some of the most ridiculous things, and it's like jumping off of buildings, like from one rooftop to another, yeah. crashing through windows, mm-hmm. diving under doors, which is the, oh, one of my favorites is National Treasure. You know National oh, Treasure? Oh yeah, we've talked about this. I still haven't seen yeah. it. I should. Oh yeah, the, I got the, reminded now again. The yeah. deeply American movie. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> it, makes it, it makes it Oh, we got to we could put that on the list. It could be uh, later. I've already we watched should. that movie like 3 times, but it's okay. it's a great movie. Yes. But basically, Nicolas Cage is the main <laughs> character and he's he's up, he's up to all these crazy heists and getting into all these uh, okay. deeply American buildings and he's got to <laughs> run, right? So <laughs> Mm-hmm. Nicholas Cage is a great actor, but he might not be the greatest athlete. So watching him <laughs> run is like a, a, a sight to behold. <laughs> he's, just, he's just like booking it. And he's got oh, this whole lovely. this whole stance to him. <laughs> it's, it's, great. Uh, yeah, yeah. Lots it. of really great scenes in that movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, from a storytelling perspective, I think it's definitely a task to put a chase scene in your book because you have to deal with a lot of details in a very short amount of time mm-hmm. and should you dwell too long on these details you lessen the pace of the story unfolding like even if you're narrating it to somebody if you're like you turn into this room and oh there's a nice tapestry on the wall and oh there's this light <laughs> streaming through the, the rooftop no there's no time to think about that no, you like, gotta no, go. Tapestry, go there's a road ahead of you three crocodiles yeah. and one chasm you have a rope tied and to nothing go go yeah <laughs> action uh-huh. yep um, that's basically it like you there's no time to set the scene and there's mm. there's a talent in making sure that you keep the tension going while the story is unfolding and your the people listening yeah. or the people reading have enough details to picture it in their minds and act upon it mm-hmm. without being like wait what what's going on can you help me out here like, is, it, is the chasm <laughs> yeah, like three sure. feet or four feet i can only <laughs> jump three feet you know that yeah, kind of thing uh-huh, uh-huh. right yeah, you can't get into the into the nitpicky stuff because there's just no time for nitpicking because then they'll catch yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think to this point, I kind of thought of this and I think you're saying something similar here in the way of like you can't use an establishing shot. There's a sort of classic, the sort right. of basic, quote unquote, basic way of filmmaking is establishing shot, half shot, zoom in into the face, someone talking, dialogues, someone else talking. OK, right, so right. we understood where we are. We understood who the people are. And now we understand what he's saying or something. But in a chase scene like that, where, as you rightfully said, environment is literally flying by, flying by as you go, there's no establishing shot. You got no time to sort of slowly introduce the audience to shit. No, this is like throwing stuff at you and hoping that something will stick because there's just no time for anything else. And that really does require creative storytelling as well. I was thinking like, what good chase scenes do I know and how do they do it? Do they also have an establishing shot or something or no? And I think it's very much using a video game perspective, right? Of like just a first person, I'm in this vehicle, I'm driving as fast as I can, I can see things literally on the road as I'm driving into them or driving toward them. Mm -hmm. I think the sort of classic example of like, oh, the bridge is being opened. We have to get over it. We have to make it. We have to make it. Otherwise, we're stuck on this side and then our pursuer will catch up on us. Even in that perspective, I don't think there will be an establishing shot, or at least it won't be like an, ah, you see, here's the person, here's the bridge. Yeah, it's getting open now. That's not <laughs> happening. You really only see sort of the vague glimpses of it, and then you're already there, and you're just hoping with all your life to make it and to yeah. get out on the other side. It's really about the sort of, on the one hand, getting that chaos so right that it feels like the most high-stake moment in your book, and it mm-hmm, should be mm-hmm. probably. And on the other hand, making the chaos not so chaotic that we don't understand at all what's happening. 
Right. It's a bit of a tightrope here because you don't have all the time in the world to make us understand. You can't kind of hold our hand because there's just no time for holding our hand. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah, I, I've absolutely, I, I want to say utilized, but the word I'd, I'd rather use is weaponized. Um, I'd, <laughs> I've, I've definitely weaponized panic before uh, in, nice. in tabletop settings. It's a good tool. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I say like, okay, you walk into this room. And then suddenly the, the floor crumbles out below you and there's a 200 foot drop into a deep, dark abyss. Go. What do you do? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> you don't Lovely. give them any more context. And I'm like, yeah. and I'm like, you got You got to make a call. You're falling. You're falling right now. What are you doing? <laughs> right. Yep. And you and adding this real time, like motivation to them to, to act or do something. Uh, it's, it's really fun in a in a game where you just kind of sit at a table and you just you, you theoretically have all the time in the world, but you could truly just time pressure them into making a snap decision mm -hmm. to make the situation more realistic to human reaction time. Right. Yeah, for sure. This is also in general just what happens with RPGs. Like sometimes understandably so, but sometimes you can get stuck in the nitty gritty, even with like non chase scenes, even when you're just yeah. exploring a room. You can just keep asking questions forever if you want. That's kind of what the game is built on. But at some point, it mm -hmm. really sort of deflates the moment of the story that you're actually telling. And then it yeah. becomes a bit of a grind or something. So it's, it's yeah. nice to sort of shake things up, literally, I guess, with just saying, OK, now you got to make a decision. No time for questions. Go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that. Exactly that. I'm not amazing at chase scenes because i'm too i'm not i like prepping every scene and every i like making establishing shots and really painting the picture of it but if i'm feeling especially dangerous some days no. <laughs> if i if i walk wow. into a DD session and it's like i want to cause some trouble you know <laughs> oh i love this so much yes there's times when the i'm like i look surface. at <laughs> i look at the characters in my session i'm like they could handle some chaos and i just <laughs> toss something and see how they react um giving people i think this is one of the unique situations where if you give people less context if you paint the scene less and they give them a couple things to just hyper focus on and very little time to decide what they want to do the story ends up better than if they had time to process it and digest it and um, it's a pressure cooker really yeah yeah act upon it in the most optimal way sometimes optimal decisions are not good storytelling decisions that's neither here nor there i mean it kind of boils down to that if you don't make mistakes or don't make chaotic decisions <laughs> there's only going to be like very nice well-educated decisions on there those are not always oh, exactly. fun <laughs> some are really boring actually yeah could you imagine every rom-com would be dead if, <laughs> yes. if every character <laughs> in them made rational <laughs> optimal decisions <laughs> True. There'd be, yep. there'd be no tension. There'd be everybody would be reasonable, well-adjusted people. <laughs> I hate reason. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it'd be the most boring story ever. <laughs> it's Every true. story needs a little bit of chaos. Yep. Uh, Agreed. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Speaking of topic. chaos. <laughs> <laughs> what are you speaking? Of? Is this your transition? Is well, this your bridge? No, I don't know. I was like, hmm, do I? Because it's not really about chaos. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> okay. I thought if we're just talking about chases, we should just build a chase. Because it feels the most logical, we could. logical thing to do. So maybe, maybe I can just start off and then toss it to you, and we can kind of go back and forth on this. We're just gonna paint a chase scene. Paint That's a chase scene today. That's kind of the problem. Exciting. Yeah. So I'm seeing a main plaza in a city filled with people. I'm seeing it. There's like banners and flags all around. You see people in neighboring buildings looking out the window. This is a big public event, right? There's a sort of What's that called? Like a microphone on a stand <laughs> in the main area or in front of the, I don't know, the, the big main justice building or something that's in front of this plaza. Got Someone's it. coming out, is ready to make their big speech. Perhaps it's the leader of the nation or something, or perhaps it's 
introducing some groundbreaking cool thing that everyone's ready to see. Mm. And before they can actually speak, just on the side of the, like just behind the stage, basically, someone is booking for their life, heading out of the Justice Building, just outside the door, crossing the stage into the crowd and is gone. And no one understands what it is. This is the start of it. All right. I'm going to paint the scene. Yes. Continue. Today, we're going to, we're going to give me, I need a city name. Give me a city name. Hit me with anything. Um, you need a letter? I can give you a letter. Cersei. Cersei. All right. In the city of Cersei, this is where the situation is happening. We're actually at the grand unveiling of the Cersei National Zoo. <laughs> oh. Uh, and there's been a wondrous lovely. amount of animals brought in from all over the world to populate what will definitely become oh a God. national landmark. We got a bunch of people ready, excited for the opening, mm-hmm. and the mayor is about to get on stage announcing that the zoo will be open to everybody attending. And you see in the distance, as you said, somebody running out of the city hall building towards the stage, panicked. Who could it possibly be? Probably one of the zookeepers. I wonder why. (laughs) And you hear in the distance um, (laughs) the sound of an exactly the sound of an (laughs) elephant trumpet. How did you know? You read my mind. Um, We're so in tune. We're so in tune. Dozens, dozens of animals just start running out of city hall. Something's gone wrong with the cargo. Everything is uh, everything is rushing forward. And here we flash back thirty seconds. A young man in his early thirties holding on to the the small tiny hand of his 10-year-old daughter <laughs> and he looks around trying to find some cotton candy that she's been asking for for the better part of a minute he finds a fountain and puts her sits her down there and says hey just wait here i'm going to go to the stand get you some cotton candy and i'll be right back and we pan forward flash back forward you hear the elephant trumpet he, yeah, yeah. the man is here cotton candy in hand hundreds of people are running all over the place and a heading barreling right towards him merlo what is what is currently running right towards the man give me the scene this is the crown jewel of this animal collection basically right so the thing that makes this zoo so lovely so world famous already even though it hasn't started is the <laughs> is the hit, hit me with it <laughs> Let me think. I'm ready. Is the flying mammoth that they've acquired from far away. (laughs) It's not really good at flying anymore. It's one of the last of its kind. But, you know, it's a big, important, wonderfully imposing figure. This mammoth is so... Is is so fed up with people hauling it around, people being so scared of its existence. Me too. That's relatable. At some point, you know, when the cage is open, you gotta you gotta earn your freedom. You gotta you gotta run to it like sure, it's your last day yeah. of earth, you know? Rightfully so. I would do the same. All right. Into this crowd, barreling with giant uh oh, what are those called? Pincers? No. What is what's the thing that mammoths Pin- have? Tusks? Tusks, yes. Yeah. I don't know any English like vocab for animal related. What do you mean? I just you, know storytelling vocab. Listen, if you okay. want them to be pincers, they could be pincers. No, no tusks. I want the mammoth feel. Okay. okay Giant okay, tusks okay. hurling people around, being scared oh, no. as well. Like they've never seen this many people in their life. They've only dealt with cages and vague animal sounds from the other room. That's <laughs> exactly. about their life. Very sad. They've never seen a zoo in their life. Yeah. He's excited. He's getting so many sensory, you know, experiences in this in this plaza but he's very scared for his life and he kind of is ready for like not this much people around so he's getting out he's getting out of there we now see as the 45 
degrees turned over the shoulder by the dad holding the... <laughs> you stepped away from the mic when you did holding that. Holding the, what's it called? Yeah. Uh, cotton candy? Cotton candy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we see the dad, his eyes widen in horror as he sees the mammoth barreling towards this little girl that's just... I would say she's not that scared. She's just excited about the noise. She's like, hey, hey, there's already animals <laughs> Yay. out. Yay, the party's starting. I thought we had to listen to this whole speech and stuff, but I guess, I guess they don't do that this year. Lovely. And the dad is rightfully so throws his cotton candy over the shoulder into the face of someone else who's also scared. Booking, booking. There's like, how long is this? How, f- how far away is this? How, how likely is this? We're, we're giving him a strong 50 feet. Strong 50 uh, feet. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Continue, please. <laughs> you're, toss- you're tossing it to me. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Uh, Woolly Mammoth barrels through, charging towards the fountain. I, the only thing he knows is water. He's got he's to head over there. Clearly, um, Woolly uh, Flying you know, Mammoths are, are water-based mammoth the, creatures. Those famous yeah. uh, aquatic-based flying mammoths. <laughs> uh-huh. Keep up. Keep up, Marilla. Come on. Uh, yeah. We're moving 50 feet at a time. Um, he's barreling towards the water. The man with the cotton candy, most of it has fallen off the stick, but he's running. He's racing the... <laughs> The woolly mammoth at this point he's racing it yeah uh, they're both running towards his fountain the girl is just sitting there wide-eyed the man's got to make a split decision he sees the woolly mammoth to the left and what he does is he reaches out a hand he grabs onto one of these large oh. pincer looking tusks yes um, <laughs> and then he um he hangs onto it grabs onto it so he's running alongside the mammoth and he just get, pulls up his arm and elbows the woolly mammoth in the face Bang! Whop! The woolly oh. mammoth turns his head to the left. We hear screams and everywhere. Immediately to the left, and with his right hand, the one that's not elbowing the mammoth, he reaches out his hand towards his daughter. The daughter looks at him wide-eyed. There's a slow panning frame where the arms reach closer and closer. Uh, we get a brief glimpse of uh, the Leonardo da Vinci painting. Uh, and then right <laughs> before he grabs on to his daughter's hand, uh, she is scooped up by the talons of another flying mammoth. <laughs> a second it's terrifying. one? Wait. <laughs> second one. She gets picked up into the sky and he looks, How? where did it come from? How did he miss it? He's holding onto the tusk of another, veering to the left. And he looks at the mammoth and goes, he slaps it on the back. He says, fly, fly, mammoth, fly. <laughs> and he's working to tug this mammoth into the sky. And suddenly, this is an aerial chase, Marla. Oh this is an God. aerial chase. Yes. Uh, the young girl is, is gripped in the talons of this aquatic-based flying mammoth, uh, <laughs> being chased by another equally aquatic-based flying mammoth. But here's, um, mer- here's the thing. I'm going to toss it to you. Yeah. yeah. Toss it to here's you. What, what's happening? As we see the dad sort of through his tears and the cotton candy stuck in his face, <laughs> we see him peering yes. at the sky. Where did this other mammoth come from? Is she still in the sky? Did she let go of the of the fur of the mammoth? No, okay, she's still there. Okay, fly, fly, mammoth, fly. He's like digging his heels into this. He's in like, he's like in jo- jockey, like oh, no. riding stance now. He's owning this shit. The love for his daughter makes a man a superhero. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's peering at this mammoth and he's like, is this a mammoth or is this like flying mammoths are already pretty exotic in nature, which is why it's exciting to sure have are. one in a national zoo in the city of Circe. But <laughs> this specific flying mammoth that's now just hauling ass away with his daughter in his, in, on his back doesn't really look like a mammoth. 
the more he looks at it and he's like hmm, it's very shiny for like having a lot of fur is that a, is that metal screws on his on his head like what's going oh. on here are these wings actually air based or is it like is is this like a bone or like you know an organ or is this like an actual no how do you say that not an organ is this like a limb? Is this like an organic natural thing? Sure. Or is oh. it just something mm. more like in the realm of like an airship sail, sort of like a bat wing huh. kind of catching wind? It's also quite still for like an organic giant creature and oh. it didn't really make a lot of noise now that he thinks about it. So he's on this barreling mammoth. Aside from the sort of horror of the situation, it's a very exciting thing to be on a flying mammoth. Who can say that of course. they've flown a mammoth into the sky before? Of course, yeah. I can't, you know. Sure. We absolutely get that Hans Zimmer swell orchestra as he yes. gets pulled into the air. Yes, sky yes, yes. opens up Continue. wide. Yes. yes. And the closer he gets, because he's owning this mammoth, this is ride <laughs> or die, all stakes. So they slowly sort of creep up to this other mammoth. And suddenly, as they come a little bit closer, he sees a sort of thing open up on the back of the other mammoth <laughs> and a little, little scruffy boy coming out. And sort of check it out. <laughs> What's on the fur of this thing? You continue, Dante. I have no idea where you're going with this. <laughs> you can do it. I have, I have no idea. Oh, okay, help me out here. Uh, not, not to ruin the tension. A small boy comes out of a bottom latch on this robotic yeah. flying, not mammoth, but vehicle. Very similar to a flying mammoth, in fact. Perhaps this was a sort of Trojan horse setup that they wanted to hijack the zoo celebration and actually like sell the actual mammoth to return it, you know, change it up for this fake mammoth that no one would realize. But now this has turned into something completely else. Got it. Got the it. Sort I, of I, I'm, I'm, picking up, yeah. I'm picking up something. I'm not sure if it's what you're putting Go down, but it. I'm definitely picking up care. something. Um, the little boy is reaching um, towards this little girl who's still held in the talons of this air vehicle. Yeah. And you can see that there is a brief glimpse of recognition between the two. The little girl reaches out her hand to the little boy and he helps her board this vehicle. And as she does, she looks back at her dad and she says very quietly and softly, sorry, dad, there's something I need to do. See you at dinner. And she sneaks into the cockpit and the vehicle closes. The flying vehicle jets away and you see bursting out of this vehicle five power ranger-esque little kids <laughs> tasked to tasked to save the situation okay uh-huh. uh, there's there's a dozens of animals on the loose and in this story which is what we've been leading to this entire point from this first second this is clearly very obviously a story but five superhero kids mm-hmm. saving the world. Very logical, <laughs> very, yes. Very dangerous <laughs> situations. Oh, God. <laughs> and I see them jettisoning in colors of the rainbow, filling the skies with their heroic appeal. And everybody sees them. These are world famous rangers, <laughs> clearly well, now they ready are. to yeah, save the day. And the dead left flying a woolly mammoth. Is dumbstruck that he's simply a side character in this whole ordeal. Uh, I am and pretty I think, dumbstruck too. Yeah, and I think that's where we leave the story. Oh my god! <laughs> I think wow, that's where I wasn't we drop ready it for that for that ending. Yeah. <laughs> oh my lord, that was thrilling. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was definitely that. thrilling. That was lovely. I think that's one How of exciting. our better prompts. Yeah. All all things set aside, I think that's one of our better ones. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I want a flying mammoth to be a thing now. Wouldn't that be fun? Like, how is that even, like, possible? Like, mammoths are, like, the heaviest thing in the world. They have to be really big wings. You just need really big wings. <laughs> <like that. laughs> 
This is like a sort of up situation. Like if you just have like as many balloons as possible, eventually it will float. Yeah. (laughs) Flawless logic. We (laughs) ignore the infrastructure of a house flying through the air. If you have enough balloons, anything is possible. Yep. And that's probably the moral. (laughs) (laughs) You know, guys, just make as many balloons as you can, and eventually, you know, it will solve itself. All right. Oh, my God. I am going to ask you to wrap this up, but I do want to say to anybody still listening, next episode is the fan prompt episode. We're going to take your prompts and we're going to tackle them one by one. We have no idea what they are, but we're going to choose them for each other from a list that we compile from all of you. Um, I'll probably start collecting stuff on Twitter or we do have a we do have a Twitter, surprisingly enough. In fact, we do. I could yeah. toss, <laughs> with all of four followers, I think. Uh, <laughs> Y-R-A-W podcast, I believe it is. Amazing. Because Your Rivers Are Wrong is too long of a title for Twitter. It's um, pretty long. Y-R-A-W podcast. I'll also be collecting them on my um, The Wintry Wyvern Twitter and my YouTube. Uh, I'll grab them from all over and we'll collect them and we'll toss them to each other and surely chaos will ensue as it did today so look forward to that we can put like a link in the description perhaps yes if the timing works out or you can reach us at your rivers are wrong at gmail.com we'll just always read those anyway so if you're (laughs) exactly twitter scared you know gmail is an option Mm -hmm. yeah and if and even if it doesn't make it to this episode we could save them for the next one so you never know toss them our way there's Plenty of a litany of fantastic prompts out there. Yes. All right. Amazing. And with that said, I think it's time to wrap up this very chaotic ending of, of a podcast. <laughs> As Anta said, next one will be a little bit different, but very fun. So tune in for that one. And there's actually this one thing we still need to talk about at some point, but maybe we'll do it in the next episode, mm-hmm. which is that your rivers are wrong. Yeah. They're pretty, your pretty rivers wrong, are I think. wrong. Huh. Yeah, I think so. I think they are. Did someone ever tell you this? I don't want to be rude, but... Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they've ever told me that. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you know, just something to think about <laughs> as There's we move on to, think to the about. next episode. <laughs> anyway, right. thanks for listening and see you in the next one. Bye-bye. Bye. See ya. <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode of Your Rivers Are Wrong. If you have any thoughts for topics, prompts, or if you just want to share your thoughts... You can reach us at yourriversarewrong at gmail.com. That's yourriversarewrong at gmail.com. Big thank you goes to Martin Skelligans for our intro and outro music. And most importantly, thank you for listening. We hope to catch you at our next episode. Have a good one.